Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! All right, here we go. Hello! Hi! Hi! Uh, what's what's going on? How you doing? <laughs> How's your day going? You know, it's fine. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Oh, it's I thought got, you were talking to our viewers and I don't not know. me. Where are we at? Where? Are we talking to the viewers? What day is it? Are they viewers? Is, no, <laughs> they're not. Please keep all this. Okay. <laughs> I've been thinking we need yeah. some more uh, some banter. more banter at the beginning before we just jump in. So we so. sound like idiots. Yeah, exactly. People tune out very it's quickly. It's good. And Great. if you're listening to this right now and you were thinking, you know, they needed more banter, here it is. Here it is. There and you if go. you're listening and you said, I'm so glad they don't waste their time with banter. Skippers. We're sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Skippers, you just you fast skip forward on thirty seconds. Yeah, maybe a minute. I don't know. Twenty-four seconds. Twenty-four Whatever, seconds too fine. late. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Anyway, okay, so welcome anyway. to the Feeny Call. I guess. Welcome to the Feeny um, Call. I don't know why is it. I guess this is that's what this is. It is the Feeny Call, a podcast about you... Boy Meets World. Yes. We're Indeed. gonna talk about. Season one, episode nine mm-hmm. today. Uh, uh, the title is called Class Pre-Union. Class Pre-Union. And I will kick us off with uh, some trivia, yes. as I do. Trivia. So the guy, um, he plays the kid Larry, I think his name is. He plays um, the kid who dresses up like Feeny mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, kind of like butt kissing, yeah. whatever. So that actor is Marty York, and he plays Alan McLennan in Sandlot, and this is ironic because um, this is the kind of baseball episode of Boy Meets World, because we uh, have uh, sure. Jim Abbott. Yeah. Jim Abbott right. shows up. Jim Abbott's here. Not going to lie, I didn't really know who he was, so I had to do a little research on him. Sure. I had heard the name before, uh-huh. but uh, didn't I mean, really I knew know. who he was from this episode several, several Much. years ago, yes. but that's kind of it. I don't follow baseball. I don't really either. I like to go to a game. I know. It's Baseball fun. is probably the sport I enjoy going to games the most, mm-hmm. but know the least about. That's fair. That's fine. I feel fine. like I know a lot more about football than I do about baseball. And I probably hockey as well. I don't know anything about hockey. I would agree that I also know more about football, but I enjoy attending a baseball game more. Yes. I, oh. Yeah. And you know, it's fine. I was thinking today, I was walking past a bar and they said they had some ad about like, Watch the Cubs here mm-hmm. or whatever it was, right? And I was like, I just don't want to. I don't want to watch it on TV. I'll yeah. gladly go mm-hmm. to a Cubs game and have a great time, but like I have no interest in like sitting. And maybe it's because I don't have like a right group of friends that like would yeah, also get rallied it. about it nearby or anything. I don't know, but I do enjoy going to a baseball game a lot. I would enjoy, like, I don't sit down and watch just an average Cubs game. I'll mm-hmm. sit down and watch a Cubs game, like when they were in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. I was at a bar every single game watching as much as I could. I was actually standing in front of Wrigley when they won the World Series, which was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. Because (laughs) you think that you know what it's going to be like when there are a lot of people, and you think that everyone's going to kind of make their way out in an orderly fashion. No. You get caught up in a wave, truly a wave of people, Mm -hmm. to a point where you're so wedged in that... People pick you up, not using their arms, just their bodies. There's so many bodies wedged in one place that they pick you up and your feet are no longer on the ground. And I experienced this so many times. After the Cubs won the World Series, I called my mom and was like, hey, I almost died, but also... It was, I was standing in front of Wrigley when history was made. Just like watching it on the like Jumbotron outside or something or what? So there was no screen. We were all just, they had it blaring from somewhere. Oh, okay. 
everyone was just standing outside listening. Yes. Yeah, so it was blaring outside of Wrigley Field. Because now there are all these giant, like, giant screens outside of Wrigley. Because mm-hmm. after they won, Chicago said, oh, we can pump some money back into this neighborhood. Yep. Anyway. Uh, anyway <laughs> welcome to Chicago. So baseball games Did are you know fun. We are based in Chicago. <laughs> it's a good time to go to a baseball game. And it Jim is. Abbott is a baseball player. And it's summer and uh, fun things are abound. Yeah. Jim Abbott, uh, part of his fame was due to the fact that he was born without a right hand. I did know that. And I think it's really interesting that mm-hmm. this episode makes absolutely no like, comment about comment, it. Comment, mention, anything. He is just like an He's incredibly successful Which baseball player. Which he is. Player, you know? he, he threw, um, I have a note on this. Hang on. I don't know this off the top of my head. I'm not going to pretend like I'm super smart about baseball because I just admitted that I don't know anything. <laughs> so in 93, he threw a no-hitter because um, he was a Yankee and versus the Cleveland Indians, which that's who uh, the Cubs won the World Series against. Uh-huh. In 93, he threw a no-hitter and... That just happened because this episode came out in. This oh, came out oh, in like you, you mean like from a from a timeline chronological perspective that yes. event had just taken had just place. Ha- oh, this episode before came the out. episode came out. Yes, I this came out saying. in October, and the game was September fourth, ninety three. Oh, interesting. So it had just happened. So him wow. showing up at the house is it? It was a big deal, yeah. like a huge deal. That's interesting. Um, That's really so neat. yeah. And anyway, he played until 99, and uh, now he's a, I think he's like a motivational speaker or something. I don't know. I mean, he's got a lot to motivate about. That's true. And it's great, true. He did go to a, the... You know, big success story there. He did go to college before he did he go to playing. college. Good for him. All right. Anyway, um, so I'll do a little recap because yes. no one has any idea what we're talking about right Megan's now. Megan's on the 30-second recap okay. this week. And so, go. Okay, so... They have this event at school that's kind of like, hey, look into your future. You're the class of 2000, what your future is going to hold. And so they all do a project on it. And Corey comes um, to class as a baseball player. And he really wants to go play for the Phillies. And Mr. Feeney's like, okay, but do you have this thought out and this thought out and this thought out? And he's like, no, of course I don't. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. So Feeney gives him an incomplete. Then uh, Corey gives up on his dream. But then his dad invites Jim Abbott over. And Jim Abbott shows up and tells him that he can achieve his dream no matter what. Time. Oh, I felt like I got through it, but not all of it. Whatever, it's fine. It's all right. You burned a few seconds at the beginning with a with a big opener. I did. Yeah. I start. Well, there's so much more that happens in this episode. I didn't even get to all the Morgan stuff. This one and the next one are solid Morgan episodes. Yeah. They really they lost a gem. Yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> I know. It's very upsetting. Um. Great. Okay. So that is more or less what happens in this episode. Yeah. What did you uh, learn? What did I learn? It's an interesting. It's you know. This episode and this idea of, like, your dreams as a kid, right? Because especially, think, like, the, the whole storyline with Alan where he, uh, you know, says, like, I wanted to build bridges, right? And mm-hmm. then he's a grocery store owner. And it's just, it's an interesting episode for sure. Because mm-hmm. if you watch it as a young person, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And, you know, you, you want to, like, root for that all the way, right? And then if you watch it as an adult... I think uh, there's a lot of sympathy to be had with Alan and the like parent side of things here, right? And then if you watch it as someone like me, who is somewhere in between those things, yes. <laughs> uh, who spends lots of time with kids, encouraging them to pursue whatever they're passionate about, and I am actively pursuing things I'm passionate about, right? But then at the same time, I'm somewhere classified as an adult and have like settled into several realities 
uh, and circumstances. It can, it's kind of a sad episode if you're somewhere in the middle of that. Because mm-hmm. you really want to root for, like, Corey and, and this baseball dream. But you understand. But you also that... want to be like, yes, you can do anything you want to yes. do. But you're sitting, you know that... I mean, and he doesn't obviously become a baseball player. I could go on a whole rant about Corey and his future. And right. I, I mean, yeah. Anyway, well, and his infatuation with baseball, which dies off. Um, yes, weirdly. Anyway. Well, and I guess, I mean, if we're, if we're to take the episode for what it's worth, Corey in the future with what they have presented with his, you know, his job as a teacher and so mm-hmm. on, that happens in Girl Meets World, right? Yes. And he has a family and all these things. Ironic. That's exactly. In this episode, he actually says. Like something about I can't think of anything more boring than being a sixth grade teacher. And right. He rats on being a teacher right. a lot, right, right, right. In, especially in the first season, and yeah. he becomes a teacher. So yeah, I think it's it's he ends up exactly like in the same kind of vein as Alan. I think in that like your dreams change. Yeah. You know, you dream of having a family and like this and like those things, and that's I think it's good on Alan's part that it's not I never achieved my dreams. It's that my dreams changed and I did yes. achieve those dreams. I like the way that he um, phrases that. Right, sure. right. It's good that it's not like, oh, I had to change my dreams because mm-hmm. like, they were never going to happen. I had to I had to lower my standards, right? Or my dreams were dashed right. or something to that effect. Right. It was just a matter of like, you know, my priorities and my dreams mm-hmm. changed. And I think I, that's big priorities. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's kind of the gist here really is, I hate to say like realistic dreams because that's not, that's not what I mean. But understanding that dreams are a flexible concept. Yes. And that you can... Be satisfied in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. um, in your life. Just something I'm kind of honestly... Uh, discovering. I'm discovering a lot. Of, yeah, well, I, I was... am ambitious, right? And, uh, and have these, you know, these dreams and passions as it regards to being a theater artist, right? Mm-hmm. I was feeling really discouraged for, like, my first year out of college... Which is a shitty year for anybody that's still in college, by the way. Absolutely. (laughs) You can just like recognize that year one out of college is probably probably gonna blow unless Unless you get a job somehow right out of college and it's already a great whatever. It's likely gonna blow. Uh and so but I was feeling really discouraged at points along that. Because I was getting worried that I was like either falling behind, right? Mm -hmm. Or that I wasn't Mm -hmm. wasn't pursuing this thing and that and it was depressing yes. and anxious. And I'm I'm coming to a point now where I'm a lot happier in my everyday life because I'm understanding that, like, I am still pursuing those things. And there's lots of other things that I have in my life that are, like, satisfying and coming together. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are a lot of small steps on the way to those dreams still. And that it doesn't have to happen by the time I'm 25. Yes. You know? That's a big thing um, for me. Yeah, so I think it's interesting, just this this whole episode opens a big box of arguments to be had about mm-hmm. passionate dreams, right? Yes. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, mine was kind of, mine is along uh, the same vein, obviously, of dreams, but mine was more like having goals and deadlines and perseverance and putting in the hard work is what makes the dream or reality. So you can't just have this dream. Oh yeah, I'm going to be whatever. I'm going to be on Broadway by the time I'm 23 mm-hmm. then, and then not have a plan to execute that mm-hmm. because then 
obviously you're just gonna fall flat. You need to put in the work, you need to pay your dues, you need to, like sometimes things just land in your lap and that's fine and that happens, but not everything is gonna land in your lap, especially long term, like if you are planning on being a CEO of a company, you're gonna have to work your way up to that mm -hmm. level. I don't know anyone who just like walked in on day one and was like, surprise, I'm the CEO. Like I've just walked out of college. No. They come bursting like out of a big cake on a conference table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, I'm pretty sure that's how Steve Jobs did it. I'm pretty sure. No, um, that's definitely dreams are you kind of along the lines of what you said about priorities dreams can happen and they can come true but you also have to work for them and make that a priority make that hard work and mm -hmm. make other things in your life try to fit around what you need to do in order to make and kind of what you were saying about your day-to-day -day activities i think a lot of that a lot of people are like, you need to do something every day that pushes you towards what, mm -hmm. what your goal is and whatever. And I feel like that's a good mentality to have. But at the same time, if I am, if I have a day that I'm not feeling good and I want to be in bed, whatever, that also, just because I didn't do anything that day doesn't mean that I'm still not pursuing that dream, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, I feel like we've gotten super far away from what we were originally talking about, but that's fine. Coming here to Chicago, the first year out of college, yes, was shitty. I was living at home. I was working three jobs, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Didn't really know what the next step was. Didn't really have anything lined up as far as jobs go. I was still working at like Starbucks and DSW and choreographing at my high school. So coming up here, it was a rude awakening in that I was in a bigger playing field as far as auditioning goes, and there was a whole lot of rejection involved, mm -hmm. and my dream of obviously be, being a performer took on a new light of you can perform, but you also still need to be making income. And while you're making income, why don't you do it in a place where you enjoy right something that satisfies something you that satisfies still. you so that's why i got a job at the dance studio because i was like i need to be doing something that is still fulfilling even though i'm not performing i'm still i'm still dancing i'm still working on my craft i'm still you know mm -hmm. that's kind of the beauty of my situation personally is i have a lot of interests outside of the theater and mm -hmm. so i can go pursue something else mm -hmm. and work on that project or that can be my job, my main source of income, but then I can still pursue other projects on the side as yeah. well. I want to transition a little bit back to also yes. uh, another thing of importance in this episode is Feeney's kind of grilling yeah. his students about how much they've actually considered mm -hmm. what they're presenting. And what I think is nice is that uh, he tells Corey, the failure is mine because you genuinely did try hard on this mm -hmm. assignment you just didn't fully understand it yes and i think that that's a great teacher moment but moreover you know what he does with him and what he does with larry right yes. where he larry. asks them you know do you understand curriculum or you know how who manages your money you didn't go to college like all these things they're valuable realistic tools yes and i can understand that if you know if you're 11 and you're experiencing that you know you've just You've got an exciting thing, like you want to share, right? Mm -hmm. And you think you did a really great job, and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And what I think is, well, not so much with Larry, but with Corey, <laughs> Feeney still celebrates 
Corey's effort mm-hmm. and shifts the focus, which I think is a strong, strong teacher moment. If I'm not wrong, Feeney kind of leaves that scene a little bit at a loss for words, right? He just, you know, kind of sighs and has to move on because it's a hard truth for Corey. And they both, I feel like they both walk away from that conversation and they are both super bummed. Yeah, neither one feels good about it. Yeah, Feeney really grilled into him and he was like, you need to think these things through. Obviously, you can't just go into it and be like, everything's going to fall in my lap. Which, Mm -hmm. again, I feel like is another side effect of privilege Mm -hmm. of him just being like, everything's going to work out for me because I, that's my life. That's how it's been so far. Mm -hmm. I think Corey's super bummed and he, I mean, he's allowed to be bummed because there are things that he, he doesn't want to face. He doesn't want to face the hard realities of the Mm -hmm. world, but Feeney's like, no, no, you need to, but that shouldn't discourage you. Right. You can still do the things that you want to do, but you need to be smart about it and Mm -hmm. you need to put in the work. Yeah. And what's interesting too, I think Corey gets so upset because Feeney gives him an incomplete on his future, right? Like that's what the, that's like what he hangs on to. And I'm like, well, bitch, it's always incomplete. Right. (laughs) Well, that's what Alan said. Alan was like, uh, when it's complete, then it's the past. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, always going to be as Mm -hmm. such. And what I think is excellent too, is Feeney's assignment is not go out and create a realistic future for yourself. Yes. It is go out and create a well-researched and well-thought-out future Future. for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because Topanga rolls up with the fact that she's president and the men are all breeding stock. Yes. Topanga. And, you know, nobody wants to be president anymore after the nuclear disarmament and so on. She rolls up in the toga and I'm like, Daenerys, is that you? (laughs) It's such a great moment. And what the thing is, is that Feeney... Doesn't tell her, uh, you've misunderstood or failed. No, you thought it out. You understand mm-hmm. the future you have seen for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you can answer the questions about who and what you are mm-hmm. and how you sustain that. Yes. It's not, oh, well, that's quite unrealistic, mm-hmm. despite however exciting it may be. And I'm sure if he were to dig into, okay, so how did you rise to power? She'd be like, okay, well, I went to school for whatever. Yeah, like she's got it. He says, oh, that's quite a high position. She's like, well, not many people want it anymore because of this. Like she's yes. imagined she's the it. rest of the world already and like why she's in that position. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. So that's, oh, I think that's another key part of the assignment is that like Corey just didn't imagine anything beyond like his cereal box, you know? And yes the acclaim none Mm -hmm. of the work whereas minkus and topanga both show their work Mm -hmm. you know even sean shows his work yeah in some degree in that he at least understands the industry my uncle's fat i'm gonna be fat (laughs) (laughs) going back to the beginning of the episode i just want to talk a little bit more about uh morgan's journey throughout this episode because Mm -hmm. it's great so morgan's dress I'm pretty sure I had a dress exactly like it. I was having some flashbacks in this episode. And when her mom lends her that the gold necklace, uh-huh. that is when you are a six-year-old girl, seven, however old Morgan is, that is peak fashion when your mother lets you borrow her jewelry. Is it? It is. Okay. It is yeah. everything because you don't quite understand Obviously, as Morgan has showed us, you don't understand the value of it necessarily, Mm -hmm. but it's such pretty grown-up jewelry that Mm. when you're a young person, you're you feel almost it's it's kind of your way of feeling like a grown-up because you're wearing your mom's jewelry and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like I mean, everyone plays dress up in their mom's clothes, I'm sure at some point. Mm -hmm. Even you didn't no, I'm just kidding. I mean (laughs) But then also, the, the, 
Mom, who comes in? Oh, this bitch. <laughs> this bitch. This bitch that rolls oh, in. She was like, I don't have to work. My husband's a very successful lawyer. Yeah. And, oh, God she's bless. as bad as the woman who came in a couple episodes ago. Oh, the snooty. Ago. Um, yes, the snooty school, school lady. lady yeah. oh. Snooty school lady. That's <laughs> worse. Um, yeah. Oh man, it could have been this mother. I don't know whoever the actress is. Big up to her for uh, just taking every rich bitch stereotype right? and putting it into one lump sum. Oh, the worst. Uh, I will say though, that's so brilliant. First of all, the Matthews parents, their solidarity is incredible <laughs> to me. I appreciate it so, on such a level because any person who comes into their house and is like, your child isn't good enough, whatever. They're like, no, no, our kids are great. And mm -hmm. they're individuals and they're well-rounded adult, like, adults. They're well-rounded children. Uh -huh. Like these, these are kids who have promising futures and whatever. And we're teaching them to cultivate that for themselves. Mm -hmm. So don't come in here waving around whatever, your school papers or your successful I-don't-have-to-work attitude and bring that into this house mm -hmm. and think that we're not going to steal our gold necklace back. Yeah. So Morgan's eyebrows when she's offering the Oh, eyebrows, yeah, her little scheme like, in the yes. kitchen. It's so good. It's so good. She has this little eyebrow raise, and she looks at her. It's funny. It's anyway. Such, such a good bit. I love... That was my uh, Morgan rant. Right. The, uh, On the, two, the, the, the little clap back with the, oh, you have to understand, it's not the value of the yes. car. It's Morgan's, it's Morgan's attachment, attachment to, to it. So good. Man. Such a funny bit. I, I love their moments. Mrs. Matthews and Morgan. Their mm -hmm. moments are great. They do get some good gems. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm glad that they they ran with that relationship because in the first episode there's mm -hmm. like a big Eric Amy relationship. I, every time I rewatch the pilot episode, I'm like mm -hmm. they touch each other a lot. It's such uh, a, well, <laughs> and it's such a bummer to me. I actually was thinking this. I and I I think this every time I watch the first season. It's such a bummer that they made Eric into such a dumbass. Mm -hmm. Like he had a great run in the first season and good relationships with Morgan, decent with Corey, and mm -hmm. really good with Mrs. Matthews. Mm -hmm. And they just let that fall away to a point where I remember in one episode, I think it's in season five or six, they shut the door after he leaves and locks it. And they're like, don't let him back in because mm -hmm. they just don't want him around. And it's such, it's so upsetting to me because I love first and second season Eric. And mm -hmm. even into the other later seasons, I love Eric so much. I think he has some great moments, but they just, they dumb him down to a point where it's so upsetting because... He is a good older brother, and he's a good son, mm -hmm. and they just make him into something that he shouldn't be. Even, even when he's an idiot, like lowest totem pole kind of mm -hmm. idiot, the end of the show, like he still gets like really great human moments. He does, yes. He's still always like a good human at that. But it's hard to show. It's it's harder to believe because of how dumb he is i guess so i mean he, he becomes the one more, the trope yeah for sure like it's you know the sitcom everyone yeah. is everyone's their trope yes. by the fourth season and that's mm -hmm. you know all anyone is when he has those moments it's harder for me to believe than back in like seasons one through three when he has honest moments mm -hmm. i believe it a little bit more that's fair Oh, I keep thinking about Eric moments in the future, and I'm so excited to get to those episodes yeah. because I mean some of the most such good some of the most emotional oh, things sure. in the whole series are Eric moments. I I I don't know what I'd do if I ever met Will Friedle. I'd just yeah cling to his legs and cry. What a joy! I'd be like you are 
Just a he'd gem. Probably a let, gem. He'd probably let you, honestly. Think about it. <laughs> he'd probably be like, Aaron yeah, Matthews. yeah, this is normal. Ron Stoppable. <laughs> Come on. He is my childhood. It's true. Will Friedel is my childhood. Um, That's a little weird to say. I Will, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm not weird, I promise. I just really appreciate you as a human person. Anyway... Corey, early on, showing a flair for filmmaking, which reappears in later seasons when he's mm. making that documentary mm-hmm. about uh, the janitor and whatever. Well, yeah, there's a couple of times where Corey... Shows a flair for like, filmmaking. Like, does, like, a whole filmmaking thing. And this is my problem, as far as Corey's future goes, because I feel like this is a good episode to kind of get into this a little bit. As mm-hmm. far as Corey's future goes, it's very frustrating to me that he gets to a point in college where he's like, I don't know what I want to do, and I have no future, and blah, blah, blah. Because he does show up, he wanted to be a baseball player for a while. Okay, so why isn't he playing baseball? Second of all, he had a flair for filmmaking, as he proved, started proving in this episode, and will go on in the future to prove. Mm -hmm. So he could have pursued that as well. Mm -hmm. He has potential for things, but they just let it fall so far because they want to show obviously Topanga's rise and how amazing she is as a Mm -hmm, student and a person mm -hmm. whatever but then they just let Corey's ambitions and dreams and whatever he was good at totally fall by the wayside yeah and it's very upsetting to me because I think he would be a good little filmmaker yeah I mean between the you know the beginning of this episode and then there's the episode where he does the trailer park thing Mm -hmm. the filming with with Sean's not so brother brother Whatever. There's the the whole thing where him and Topanga and the school starts talking about if they had sex. Yes. Because they stay up in the editing mm-hmm. room. There's the the one you're the referencing janitor. with Janitor Bud and uh, clocking out. Or yeah, mm-hmm. there are several like Corey's a yeah. uh, uh, filmmaker a episodes. Filmmaker. There's that episode where in the, with the, the janitor when uh, Eli is kind of like I think that's the one where he's like really encouraging him, right? To, to become, to yeah. Be, to, like, pursue film. Well, that, no. It's not the one with Janitor Bud. It's the one with Corey's family because Corey's entering a contest, which is why... Oh, is that the one where he does the real world? Yes. Because that's Wait, another one. No, not the real... Wait, that is another one. Oh, my... There's a what? lot of episodes where so Corey is, like, a filmmaker. Oh, now I'm I had upset. never realized... I had never realized Get how many... Get the writers many. on the phone. Get yeah. the writers on the phone. Okay, great. We'll call I'm them. I'm so mad. No, but, like, you're right. I've never realized just how many episodes involve, like... Corey and filmmaking. Hmm. He has a lot of promise in that field, and I don't understand why they didn't... Whatever. Anyway, I understand why... Because Eric doesn't really show signs for anything, so I understand why he gets to a place where he's struggling with his future, but Corey has no reason to. He could have been a weatherman. (laughs) If he had just gone to school for it. It's okay. He ends up being, like, mayor and... <laughs> That's true. Then, I think, like governor of New York or in, some yeah, weird in shit. World, it gets really wild. It does get wild. Wildly unrealistic. But this, <laughs> and I'm gonna take a super hard left right now. When Tommy comes back, yeah, I lost. I'm not kidding. Emotional. I was I was alone in my apartment watching yeah. this. This was oh, when I, I first I, like, moved wept. to Chicago. <laughs> oh, I screamed mm-hmm. and started crying. I did not recognize him. No. They really got me. No. They super it's the got same me. kid, but he looks same kid. But he, I different. mean, he's he grew ten yeah. years, 10, 15 years, something yeah. like that since he's you know a young adult. And not I. A child. I screamed and I cried so hard. I had to, at the end of the episode, I just like crawled up in the fetal position. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't believe that they did that. I know. Oh my. So that's, that was my uh, sidestep. Again, uh, Eric is just, anyway. Oh, uh, um, anything else you learn? Nothing else that I learned. Oh, I did. <laughs> I made a note. This is a horrible thing. I made a note that says, I love how much role-playing Feeney has in his classroom. He 
makes them mm. role play mm-hmm. all the time. We've got yeah. the hats. We've got the Romeo and Juliet already. You're right. You're right. They were only what nine episodes in, and already we've been role playing twice. There's a lot of a lot of exploring history of, and literature yes, through role through playing. Role playing, and I'm like, these kids are all gonna grow up with a role playing fetish. Oh my god. <laughs> It's, it or, was, or an aversion, one of the or other. Or an aversion, yes. It's so funny to me, though, looking at the other kids. You never really think about, obviously, the other kids in the yeah. background. You're just like, whatever. They can, they, one of them's like a nurse. One of them's like oh, a yeah, chef, yeah. whatever. Was, it was fun there's to look at the kids. a Vegas showgirl in the back. <laughs> I would just yeah, like there's to like say. Yeah, there's like a dance. She's dressed up in like a, you know, sparkly dance outfit. It's not even just a sparkly dance outfit. It's the headdress, too. Oh, she's she... got the feather headdress that's going on. And she straight up looks like a Vegas showgirl. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, good for you girl get it if that's what you want to do get it big big dreams also super inconsistent feeney says that they're the class of 2000 and they graduate in 98 yeah it's because they skipped two years they did Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they skipped two years they don't show us um ninth and tenth grade which i don't understand why they couldn't have made it in the future it would have only been like a year or two what in do you the mean? future. So it, instead of having them graduate in 98... Oh, oh you mean like in the episode in when he like announces them as the graduating class mm-hmm. of 2000? Yes. Oh. Like why didn't they just... I don't know. You know, uh, who knows? They made a big deal about like when Corey and Topanga got married, there was like a full save the date campaign and like a website and everything. Uh, yes, that is true. Uh, so they were big on like realistic dates even though they skipped two grades and finished college in two years or whatever like none of it made sense anyway uh yes it is a problem where he says that the graduating class of 2000 Mm -hmm. because if they had done it you know they couldn't i don't know what what happened in the writer's room where they were like "Eh, who needs those years but they if they had you know progressed as they should Mm -hmm. through school then they would have been and I Class think of 2000. probably a reason that they pushed through so hard is because people wanted a little more resolution with Corey and Topanga. They mm-hmm. wanted them to get married. Because the writers did not want Corey and Topanga to get married. Uh, they wanted mm-hmm. them to, I mean, finish obviously finish college and like get through. And they were like, we mm-hmm. were not going to. But everyone was like, please well, have maybe it was married. also We want to see it. The they main cast is older too, you know. That's they were true. just kind of like, you know, they were already older than sixth graders when they were playing that. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe it was just a matter of they were like, all right, these kids are, you know, effectively 20 years old now. Uh, Listen, it didn't stop the creators of High School Musical. It shouldn't have stopped the creators of Boy Meets World. Whatever. Oh, yeah, because, what's her name? Monique Coleman was 26 years old or whatever in the first High School Musical. I mean, I'm 25 right now, so I effectively would be playing, they're juniors in high school. They are juniors in high school. Correct. Someone 10 years younger than me I'd be playing. I don't think I could pull it off. I don't think I look like... I could play a college student easily. Yeah. Well, Corbin so Blue was actually 17. Well, that's good at least. Play, no, it's not. He's Why playing not? opposite her. She's well, 26 yeah, and he's that's 17. That's weird as hell. That is weird. <laughs> I mean, no one kisses in that first movie or anything, but that's still weird as hell. That's true. No one does kiss in the first movie. Because like, they have to stroll off arm in arm and he has to hit on her and she has to be into it. And if I were 26 years old playing opposite a 17-year-old, I would feel really strange. I actually played opposite of a... He was 19. I was 24 playing opposite of a 19-year-old. We were supposed to... Actually, we were supposed to be in high school. So never mind. Scratch all of this. I did play a high schooler last year. (laughs) I played a college student and a high schooler. Oh, well, whatever. It's fine. And you can catch our High School Musical podcast. (laughs) Uh, High School Music Cast 
Hey, that's, that's actually not, not bad. That's not the worst. Not <laughs> there are worse ones there in there. There are worse ideas. Coming on Disney+. Plus. What a time. Cool. All right. You got an MVP? Is that where we're at? Uh, sure. My MVP is Alan mm-hmm. because he got freaking Jim Abbott to come to the house. It's and pretty crazy. I feel that Alan is good in calming Corey down when Corey's like, I have no future and my life is meaningless and whatever. Alan's mm-hmm. like, listen, you're fine. And he kind of calms him down with the whole rant of my dreams changed too. I had this all planned for my life and then my dreams changed and mm-hmm. your dreams can change also or like just because your dreams change doesn't mean that you're that you failed yourself or life is any less right valid or whatever. Yeah. So Yeah. You know, I, I Alan is a such a strong MVP in terms of what we learn from this episode. Mm-hmm. But I really love Morgan in this episode. <laughs> you can give your MVP love, to Morgan. I'm gonna give it to Morgan because she just and I mean it's kind of it's Morgan and Amy and their little con job that they do. It's so, so good. good. It's such a good little side plot. It is. And this little like they just swindle this little girl. Mm-hmm. And her snooty it's so, ass mom. It's so good. I just I love it. And I mean it bears no real weight. But it's so fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's so fun. It's so fun. So Well, and that bond, I guess it just shows the bond between Amy and Morgan. And I think that their bond is really sweet in this Mm -hmm, first, mm -hmm. probably into the second season. And then she just like disappears. Then she disappears for a while. Then we recast her. Cool. Whatever. Anything else? Oh, kudos to Amy and Alan for keeping their uh, romance alive in their marriage. Oh, yeah. Good for them. Oh, my goodness. They're all all getting on the couch there. And really fucking weird that Corey is filming that shit. That's real weird. So weird. It really skeeved me out. Well, I think (laughs) the weirdest part is when Corey emerges, I feel as though he should be saying, like, ew, gross, stop. Oh, God. Like, mm-hmm. he should be making a fuss about it, but instead, he's like, just do something else. Like, whatever. He's, like, filming it. What? Oh. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really, it's really like, voyeuristic. It's, a, it's a obscure. Grossness. <laughs> it's not a joke that, that aged well. Uh, no. It's real gross. But I think also that, as far as Amy and Alan's marriage goes, I think that that's kind of the norm for them. I think that mm-hmm. they are very close and romantic couple and so the kids probably experience that pretty regularly i guess i mean it's probably healthy for your children to see Mm -hmm. you love your partner Mm -hmm. at least you know like fully clothed and whatnot um and they expected the kids to be in bed so it's fair that they were kind of right right no it's there's no fault on the two of them for me it's just weird that Corey like rises up slowly with a camera Uh yeah it's like that it's the execution of it i think yes like, Correct. the fact that he's, like, out of bed with the camera, like, we've been shown he's into that right now. That's yes. all fine. And he's, like, filming his family. Again, fine. Mm-hmm. It's just that, like, it's this slow rise and then kind of, like, a whispery director. Yep. like you know, it's, something I, else. Right, yeah. I'm not a fan of how it's presented. Fair point. Okay, yeah. two more things. Okay. That I'll, I'll be done, I swear. Mm-hmm. So, we have a little more clarity on the Hunter family. We now find out that Sean's dad sells tires. So, that's a little... Blurb. Yeah, yeah, sure. Which is kind of in line with his Uncle Mike owning the car repair shop. Right. We so, do get that later. Uncle Mike owns the shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, Chet, we find out later that Chet just takes any job he gets. That's true. What I'm interested about, though, is if he was working with Uncle Mike mm-hmm. under Uncle Mike's supervision, mm-hmm. that had to be Uncle Mike then that fired him. Mm. 
more oh. drama in the Hunter world because he gets fired in this next episode. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Spoiler alert. Could be. <laughs> Last thing. He says so, he got laid off at, at work, which like sounds like very company low earning, like low quarterly report, which doesn't shape up for anything. No. You know, like the local tire shop with two employees isn't going to have to lay <laughs> someone off. I mean... <laughs> you have to go under. Or... Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're, all, we're writing more things than the It's all sitcom fodder, you know? Yeah. <laughs> also, the lighting fixture in Feeney's classroom is so weird. It's like it's, one singular... Yeah. Not bulb, but it's one singular fixture as opposed to, you know, the floor. You look up in a classroom, right. there's the flat when fluorescent lights. When do we see lights. that? It's, it's, just, it's just there. Like, you're, it, in the huh. wide shots of the classroom, there's just this light fixture that's hanging down. It's just a singular light fixture. And I'm like, how in the, what kind of classroom Weird. was this built in, like, 1750 like <laughs> what kind of classroom is this anyway i thought it was really weird so go look at it that yeah I i'll mean, post a picture on our yeah. instagram because sure. it's just it's it's obscure to me it's weird that they would even show anything for the ceiling because like the right? set, you know the set clearly didn't have a ceiling yeah so why so would like, you why bother even putting anything there yeah exactly that's why it was kind of weird to me anyway that's uh that's all i have on this uh nice this lovely episode good stuff it was a good little episode I feel like we're getting one. we're getting into some some really good ones. So. Yeah, there are some great episodes here yeah. in season one. If you uh, haven't already, like and subscribe and yeah, subscribe on us. your podcast listening thing. Yes. Follow us on your social media thing yes. and share us on your social media thing. Share us all over the place. Word Rate of mouth is and uh, great. Review us on yep. Apple Podcasts. Please do, um, and uh, you will get a shout out if uh, you review. Yeah, so. I know it's really enticing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll say your name to and be uh, thank you. Yeah, and also you can support us through donations. Yes, absolutely. If you want to keep hearing the Feeny call, go ahead and uh, if you have something to give, then give. We're all struggling artists here, so uh, you understand. Yeah, I think there should be like a link in our description or something about listener support, right? Sure, we can do that. I think that's what happens. That's what the oh anchor, sure anchor yeah. ads yeah. So there should be a little link at the bottom of our description of the episode if you feel so inclined to yes. donate some spare change for the poor young artists. Uh-huh. You know, I'd love to buy a banana. Okay. Please cut. <laughs> With your spare we change. We know where uh, Skylar's mind is. All now. right, great. All so right. anyway, that's been the Feeny Call. Yep. I guess uh, have a good rest of your day. So, and if you were commuting to work, I hope it doesn't suck. Class yeah. dismissed. <laughs> Class dismissed. Ha, ha, ha.